Hello and welcome to Your Aunties Can Never, episode 34. How are you all doing? I'm Auntie AK and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. And Auntie Shade. Hey, my ladies, how are you doing? Good, good. So I guess, ladies, what have you heard? Auntie Farah, what have you heard? My new story is about the MPs vote against extending preschool meals during the holidays. So the MPs took a vote a few days ago and they won by 61 votes, basically. Um, one of the people that voted was one of the MPs whose job it is to support children. And basically a lot of parents still aren't working, aren't earning the same amount of money and they're struggling. So the proposal to extend free school meals would actually help at least over 2,000 children and it would make sure that they would get vouchers and they would be able to eat every day basically. So largely the Conservative MPs voted against this. So in the wake of that there's been a lot of support for Marcus Rufford who's actually one of the very talented young man, place Manchester United, um, set up this whole scheme and, and pushed forward this proposal back in the summer so that the scheme actually extended for the summer months um, during the height of the pandemic. So he's been getting a lot of support because obviously this is not something that he wants. He's very disappointed by that this happening. Local councils have got involved to say they're going to support children. Local businesses have got involved to say they're going to support children. People who are, you know, in the public eye have got involved to say they're going to support children and make sure that they've got food during this time. Just want to get your thoughts on what the MPs have done and how you feel about it. It's disgusting that this was even something that MPs would vote en masse and, you know, vote against. It's just a no-brainer that at this moment in time where so many people are losing their jobs that you would want to help children and the most vulnerable children as well. It's not like they can go out and get a job themselves. That's what government is for. And that's what we're paying taxes for. Definitely, I would want my taxes to go towards helping families that need help. My only thing is, I don't feel like it's Marcus's responsibility or any public members, like I was seeing them as though you could buy a bag of shopping and then they will distribute it to people that need it. I always think these types of things, I think we're paying taxes and really it's for the government to be supporting the vulnerable, not for us people who pay taxes to then buy additional food to help people. Like, I, I really I don't think it's okay. But on top of that, I keep on thinking of how Raheem Sterling was slaughtered in the press for basically having business acumen and really being for the black family. But Marcus is kind of like heralded as, as the new savior. There's like spaces that black men are allowed to be praised for. And usually it's when they're giving away their money or they're doing charity work that it's okay. But if he was to be doing charity work, let's say in in the Caribbean or in Africa, I don't think the press would be as nice to him. And I doubt he would have an MBE. And it's just his kind of hero worship really stings. Like each time I see it, I'm like, yeah, he's allowed to be a hero in this build. Let him get above his station and start going into more social issues that affect race. And I doubt he'll be considered a hero. I agree with all of that. I think everyone here can remember when Margaret Thatcher took away our milk. We're basically repeating history, right? Every time the Conservatives are in power, they do something to further raise the poverty levels. And I think it's 
ridiculous. I think there was an MP that done a um, impassionate speech in the House of Commons last week or the week before. You know, she talks about how she was raised on free meals and and she wouldn't be in the position that she's in today if she didn't have them. And I think like it does say something when a country cannot help the poorest or the most vulnerable people or their constituents. I just think it's absolutely awful. Do you know what I mean? Like nothing really and truly has changed in the last 40 years with regards to how the poorer and the most vulnerable people in our society are being treated or seen. As we talk about each week, how bad the world is and what what state we're in that even simply feeding children has become a political issue that people are voting against like i know some of the conservatives are trying to say like it's not this is not what we're saying we're not saying not feed them we're trying to find a better solution and you know they I, I mean i haven't even made note of all the mps have said some weird outlandish stuff like some people saying like you know um these food vouchers are being taken to people back in the, on the estate and being sold, usually exchanged for crack. Like, are you really saying crap like that? Or, you know, it creates dependency. So people, we need to actually look at how parents better parent their kids. And maybe it's like trying to say like, look, you better spend your two pounds a week better than what you're doing. That's why it's your fault. That's why your kid's not getting fed. And it's just like, where are we? Because it should never ever be the responsibility of us. Marcus Rashford should be playing football. He should be getting on with his life and playing football. He shouldn't have to be rallying and arguing with politicians. And it goes back to what we were saying about all the people that put themselves in the limelight. Have your facts. Because there was a thread, and I, I really wish I'd taken note of the MP, that the guy with the like to Marcus, well, this is what I'm saying. And Marcus like, well, this is actually what you said. And he had all the facts. And this guy is supposed to be training, making his money, living his 22-year-old best life. He's there pulling out facts and figures and counteracting everything that um, politicians are saying. Why? Why is this happening? The boy's 20, and let alone he's a footballer, he's 22 years old and he didn't train to be a politician, yet he's reading all these politicians for filth. It's ridiculous. And no one's embarrassed. The Conservatives, and I think Boris is doubling down, everyone's doubling down that, no, we're not reversing it. What? What's their logic? I, I, I don't know what their logic is. And so it's just, it's just a shit show and it's really sad and it shouldn't be us. None of us should be buying shopping to then be used by supermarkets to be distributed. It doesn't even make sense. We're asking the government to do this because of COVID. We're asking the government to do this because travel's not free anymore. Just things like that. It's not like a normal situation and people are having their hands out. People can't cope. We're in unusual times. We're dealing with difficult circumstances. It's the very least that they can do, especially when, when I read today, that the government have their lunches subsidised or um, for free, and they spend about 2.6 million a year. Like, what the hell? The oppression that we see in the world, a lot of it started here. You can tell by the actions of the country. We're supposed to be a world power, a leader, and this is what we're doing to our own people. Are we all right? It's crazy. The government, they get a daily subsidy. Every single MP is entitled to £25 food allowance. Now, in comparison, the scheme for feeding these children would be £15 a day. The government, each MP has a salary of £80,000. The allowance of uh, £25 a day takes their salary up to something like £84,000. Where is that money better spent? This is not including the fact that they're allowed to charge for expenses for lunches and all these other things that they have to do. Where is our money better spent? I absolutely agree with you, Auntie Nana. It shouldn't be down to these famous people to get money to fund this scheme. As taxpayers, part of that should be that we feed the people who need to be fed. You have these MPs 
who are on these massive salaries dictating what someone who is on basically welfare should be able to do with the patents that they receive and making them feel bad about it whilst they're doing it. The MP that actually said about the crack dens and things like that was Ben Bradley, and he's a Tory MP for Mansfield. And he tweeted that in Mansfield, 75% of children's ha children have social workers, 25% of their parents are illiterate. There is a state is a centre of crime and kids live in a crack den or in another brothel. He basically said, if we give them this money, it will go into feeding that as opposed to feeding them. That's what he said. Then all the Tories gathered around him and backtracked and said, this isn't actually what he meant. There's so much wrong about this. We're talking about feeding children. It's disgusting that in what is supposed to be a first world country, that this is even a conversation. It shouldn't even be a conversation. And as you said, Auntie Sade, this is a result of the pandemic. People are struggling. Any little benefit that they are given is being taken away from them slowly. No free dinners, no free travel. So how are people supposed to develop and to progress and to do better like these MPs are telling them that they should do, how are they supposed to be in a position to actually do any of that? It's so transparent. We see through you. We see what you're doing. The rich get richer and they stay richer. And that's what they do. And the worker bees work and keep them there. Like, why do you want to keep your constituents in such depraved state where they can't work? And then they are bleeding and leeching off the, out, of, um, out of the system or whatever. So what's, what, where's the logic? And him saying about, yeah, thank you for clarifying exactly what he said. Him saying that, who set that up? Why do we have a state with people on welfare and in the situation where, I mean, I'm not going to lie, sure. I'm sure somebody might use a voucher or two to swap it for whatever, whatever. But if that's the currency, because people are desperate, who really wants to be on a state in that kind of space anyway? So you're basically saying these people want to be in this space and they don't want to make it effort. They don't want to change their lives. It's not that. In addition to this, the government now, they're backtracking because like Auntie Sade likes to say, and it's a brilliant way to describe this, they didn't read the room. They didn't read the room for the country. They didn't understand that this would be, create such a problem. So now they're saying, oh, no. We're not saying stop free meals. What we, what we might do is fund the holiday schools. Now, if you're a parent like me, holiday schools aren't free. You don't get to send your child there for free. You have to pay because they are not funded enough by the government. So even if you give them the ability to provide a, a free meal, you've got to get your kid there in the first place. You've also got to get a position in that holiday scheme. And with COVID, that isn't always the case. As I said, it's ridiculous that this is a conversation in the first world when they like to make out like people in Africa and the Caribbean are starving. Well, people here are starving. OK, yeah, we have some um, comments. One from Monique Francois. Agree 100% with Auntie Nana, Reece Sterling. He was dragged when assisting his fiance with buying properties as part of his assistance with her getting her business up and running. Nicola says, we actually provide the government too much agency over our own individual and collective lives. We accept weak policies and allow these things to happen to us as if it's sane behaviour. We need an uprising internationally. I'm all for an uprising. Okay, so my story, well, it's two stories in one. So it starts off with a feature that was in Mixmag, collated by Funk Butcher, real name, I think it's Kwame, could be Kwaku Safo, Mr. Safo, Great Guy is basically really highlighting all of the shit that is the UK music industry. But the main feature that I wanted us to focus on was the one that has the female house singers discussing 
all of the various ways that they have been done over on deals erased from tracks that they've been featured on and continue to really be for a yeah it's raped by the music industry there's no other way around it basically it's like they use their talent and then when it comes to giving them what they're owed there's always something in their contract that isn't fulfilled or even get into contract state it's like they want to do some spendulies um sharona knight who is one of my good friends she's featured in there and i remember when she was talking about doing her track with guy robin and she was so excited and then once it came to the split that they had said that they were going to have over this track he kind of backtracked on it and instead of it being 50 50 in publishing it then went down to like four percent so not even like reasonable amounts that they try and con you out of it's just absolutely ridiculous so she fought on this and as she's going through lawyers his or no the record company exec somebody in accounts sent an email like okay we're going to honor this and as she's scrolled down the email at the bottom the person hadn't deleted properly and the name wasn't there but it said if this like, give her what she wants and she will never darken our door again or something like literally basically we are going to never work with this singer ever again that's just one of them there's so many stories there's one singer in there who just literally i'd never heard of her but i knew five of the tracks that she had been on but didn't know who the singer was and it's just like every deal she's got into somehow she's been sidetracked roll on to this week and um then my cousin is also featured in there and she has her vocal sampled by dizzy rascal with his new track um body loose which is basically just a remix of Body Groove. And she knew nothing about it. Literally, she's hearing about it through people tagging her like on the internet, like, oh, wow, congratulations. Like, you've been featured on another track. And she's like, no, I haven't. So again, lawyers have to get involved for her to fight for what she's owed to get a writing credit on this so that she then gets publishing. And it's just like, we're in 2020 really when is this going to end but also some solutions for mr dizzy rascal how should he resolve this situation with his track currently one of the things i saw when i was reading up on this why didn't he just get her to sing on the track if he's gonna play dumb and act like he didn't know it was her she's in the video the original you know what i mean she's she's there it's playing when you're thinking oh i'm gonna do this song i'm gonna re-release this song or i'm gonna mix it up a little bit why don't you just get her or if you don't get her to do it, because for one reason or another, you don't want her on it, you should credit her. You're using her vocal. They didn't get somebody else to sing the same vocal, which has been done before and gets people out of a whole load of crap. They used her actual vocal. That is just schoolboy error. And what needs to happen to him and everyone who does this is the same thing that happened to P. Diddy when he used Sting's song without asking permission the one that he did for Biggie, Missing You. So he he did that song and he did not Sting's permission. And he ended up paying through the nose. Every time that song's played, it's not Diddy that gets the money, it's Sting, because he didn't ask permission. So that's what needs to happen in these cases. And I'm really glad that she's gone and got her lawyers on the case, because why should it be acceptable? They, he wouldn't have dreamt of doing that to a male artist. No way. But someone's just said Dizzy's not bright. And it's true, he's not. But, um, <laughs> but he's bright enough and he's been in the business for long enough to understand how it works. 
you have to clear samples. It's basic. So he should have actually done his research or just done his due diligence and got his people to find her people, either get her on the track or get her to release her vocal, not just put it on to the point where she's hearing about it through the grapevine. It's disgusting. And apparently she wasn't credited for it back in the day either. I think I read something like that. So this has happened to her twice. And it's a big song. Everybody knows it. It's really annoying because, like, Garage, that whole era, that's my time, man. Do you know what I mean? And it's so interesting because there's so many songs, like, I don't know the artist to. And, like, in other genres that I was into at the time, I do. Do you know what I mean? Or I would do my own research and it seemed like it was easier to find. Maybe it's much easier now than it was then, but you didn't have to look so hard to find out who was behind a track or who wrote a track and stuff. So I think like, I'm gonna pay a little bit of devil's advocate here. It might not be Dizzy himself, personally. I get what you're saying, Auntie Farah, in terms of due diligence, I do get that, but sometimes that's not necessarily put on the artist. Whoever clears the samples is the record company, is the publishing. If she wasn't credited on the track before, he might not have known. Or if you're getting partial information, you can only deal with what you're dealing with. I think it's complex, but I do think that the record um, music industry by design is anti-us in general. It's anti-women. It's definitely anti-black women. Do you know what I mean? It's definitely anti-dark-skinned women, for sure. We, we see that today, like, <laughs> there's hardly anyone still. Do you know what I mean? And, like, Garage was one of those eras where you did see people, like, when, when we went out, and you saw PAs, you did see people that looked like you, do you know what I mean? And it was it was cool, it was refreshing, it was fun and all that kind of stuff, but it just never translated into the charts, not really. And um, Nene was one of, you know, that tune was, Make Your Body Groove, was just huge for the culture. It's just very, very disappointing, but I'm not surprised. He needs to give her her money, man. It's not even him, it's, it's just the law, isn't it? She's credited, there's nothing you can do about it, mate. It is what it is. And I would be surprised from how he comes across, he would intentionally block something like that or even attempt to. But I do think that the powers that be in the industry, they don't care for black women at all. Like there's still deals like this going on today. I had a young lady that I mentor, she's in music, and he's talking about people asking her for a 50% deal. Are they crazy? <laughs> in this day and age, like, it's just actually wild. Anyone get into the music industry, anyone anyone who's still there thinks they're owed, now is the time. Go get your coin. Lawyer up. The law's on your side at this moment in time, so you might as well go for it. Yeah, I think for Dizzy, what he could do is just come out and support and say, look, um, it's an error. I didn't, if he wasn't aware, because I understand it's like when people say Beyonce's um, steals stuff and it's like there's a big chain of people around Beyonce that it's not necessarily her. I'm not going to defend her or not. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a bunch of people that are handling stuff that before it gets to Beyonce. So it's not necessarily directly Beyonce's fault. But Dizzy, I mean, I, he definitely would have known. He probably would have been, he was a jam to make your body groove. He probably saw the live PA, probably knows Nana, Nene. I mean, I guess if he used the sample and he's assumed that his people are doing what they need to do. So I'll give him that little bit of benefit of the doubt. But in with this article that's come out and with the news that's going out now, then the best thing he could do is stand up and say, look, I didn't know, or I did know it's my bad, I didn't do everything I needed to do. He needs to come out in solidarity and support her and to say, yeah, I support black women in the industry. He needs to do that. Put an apology out there and then make making his position on this matter clear because we do need more black male artists, especially to speak up for black women artists because that doesn't happen either. 
We have women that are talking out and speaking out about these things, and then no one's there to back them as usual. And especially like I'm reading Nene's article when she did come out, the Akaba brothers that were behind Make Your Body move, Groove or Move, um, she said that she had to fight, they didn't support her and they wanted to replace her with a white woman. And that's always what happens. People get to the limit of success and instead of being confident in who they are and who we are and the power of us as black people, they then say, oh, do you know what? We're getting to the height of heights, let's replace with a um, white woman or an exotic looking woman. It's just, it's that lack of faith in what we can do and the power of what we do on the back of, and, and it's so ironic that on the back of success of what we've done, we're then like, oh, it's not gonna last, let's replace it and start, it's just so weird. So yeah, I think Disney should come out, make a statement and this stuff is forever happening. I don't know how we change it, but I do think a lot more black men who are in positions of power in the industry need to take a stand because I just think they're silent. And whenever you bring up the, color, the conversation about colorism, about sizeism, about anything to do with black women and any kind of valid arguments that we have about how they are treat, we are treated in the industry and this side of things, it's never met with support. I, I can't think of any popular black male artist in the UK who stands up and really has been vocal about how black women are treated in the music industry. Uh, please someone correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. I think that's why like Funk Butcher actually coming out and really championing like actually we need to be supporting black women is quite a, a bold move on his part. But again, he's just one man and not that famous. It would be great if Dizzy had actually like seized this moment to not be a dickhead and actually be a champion for the people like actually it just would have given him more clout in himself to actually be like you know what this is a romans and um okay he has said he didn't know but he hasn't taken the ball by the horns he's put himself in victim mode like i'm being cancelled when it's really not that he could have just you, you can't change the track now the video has been done you know they put in ella air but it's like even the fact that it's ella air that is singing the retweaked remixed chorus and then you have Nene's vocal in there as well but she's not in the video there's no mention of her it's like okay so again that erasure and as a dark-skinned female I'm absolutely pissed that nobody was thinking actually this tune on various levels was totally for the culture but having a petite dark-skinned woman front the track was a big deal at that moment. But that, again, you've stolen her vocals and then again replaced her with a younger mixed race woman. And just that colorism pitting us against each other, they think that it goes over our heads, but it's very clear. And this is a record company choice as well. It's very clear what they continuously try to do to women to kind of have us in these holes all the time. But just the erasure of dark-skinned women, I feel like it's getting even more um, sinister at this moment. Like, there's just nobody. And when you do have somebody, it's, it really is like they are replaced very quickly. They don't last too long. Their, their moment at the top is really short-lived or they become a backing singer. And it's just, yeah, it's just disgusting. I would love for Dizzy to just be like, well, when I'm doing my shows, I'm going to have both of the girls there like actually like pay homage to where you got this track from. And sorry, just to jump in, you, and you know the response will be mad if you see Nana come on stage and Nene come on stage because everyone knew, everyone 
associates that track so much of it. I didn't realize because when um, Farah said that he could have had her in the video, I thought, okay, sampling's not a bad thing. Um, so people always sample, so that's not so bad. He just needs to credit. But I didn't know actually with the video that he'd actually replaced her with somebody else. That's mad. That's mad. Sorry, Auntie Shade. I'm kind of on the fence with that one there. I, I totally, totally agree with the whole erasure of black women, especially dark skin women, for sure. But um, I do think there is like the creativity around the remix and stuff. I, I just don't know necessarily it's a symptom, right? Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing that you're creating something, but because we live in this world where, you know, we do have colorism and that sort of thing, that your actions and the choices you make will be viewed in that way or can be viewed in that way. But I don't know if Dizzy and his team are actually thinking that's what they want to do. It just so happens that that's the messaging that can be brought out of what has happened. Also as well, I don't know, like sometimes I think this is a difficult case because usually when you ask for a sample, you ask permission. So they kind of like, there'll be rules and, you know, about how you can use the track usually and that sort of thing, or what you can use it in that sort of way. But like, they might not want her to be in the track and that's their choice and that's worked out in the permissions, right? Do you know what I mean? So it's not necessarily forced. I get it, that could be a moment for the culture. Yes, that we would love that for sure. But you know, they might be trying to bring it to a new demographic. If everything goes her way, then she's eating again as well. Do you know what I mean? So there is a positive in that sense. Um, but I think the whole way it's come around is just like, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit tricky. Just to your point, Auntie Farah, I don't think every single time there's remix that you have to get the original artist to come and make. No, 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 I didn't say that. That's why I said all. No, 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 I just yeah. didn't finish. I didn't finish. I'm just saying, not every single time, but I think like, you know, sometimes you want to get that original sound. Do you know what I mean? So if someone comes back and sing it, they might not sing it the same. It might not be the same vibe. Do you know what I mean? It's a creative process. And if you're building something and that person isn't available, that's what they do. It's part of the process, you know? So I think it's complex in terms of like how it's built and then what's happened. But the problem is that we don't have enough black women in the music industry full stop as in artists. We don't have enough managers. We don't have enough um, record label execs. We don't have enough A&Rs that represent black women. That's the problem. So no one's advocating up for us. No one's, no one's putting us first or no one's, no one's taking care of us, to be honest. So I'm not saying it's particularly Dizzy's team that picked Ella Air or anything like that. But I think it's it's a, it's actually like, it's factually true. The fact that she would be the go-to person and the only other person that I could think in her category would be Georgia Smith. They're both mixed race. Female vocalists at this moment, there actually isn't anybody that is dark skin that is there. And that's by design. It's not like the talent isn't there. That's who you've decided is yeah. the multiple look. And that's a problem in itself. And if more black men actually champion that we're not allowing this, I will go and find artists. I don't want my feature having this same look that has been perpetuated time and time again. If they actually stood up for black women and had more representation, that could change things. It doesn't come out of thin air though. It's everybody being in there being like, we have to change this. And as the artist, I think they are the front line to be like, no, I want more. Because when they want to find a dark skin girl, when it's in, they do. Yeah, but it's supported though. It's not just them. It's the records execs as well. Do you know what I mean? It's the A&Rs as, as well kind of thing. That person, is she a label mate? Is there a deal that their team has to do something? Their team, are they on each other's albums? All those kind of things that happen. There are a few people. There's like Ray Black, but she can't be the only person. I do... <laughs> 
I do hear you. I do, I do, definitely do hear you. I just think it's difficult. They're dealing with the waters that they're playing in, but at the same time, yes, I agree with you. They do need to do more. Sometimes features are sold. So I'll appear on your song, you appear on mine. It helps with album sales. Sometimes they are label mates and they have to do things together. There's all of these factors. Probably not expecting Dizzy Rascal to sit down and go through paperwork and work out who does what. But but everyone has mentioned the team. And within the team, there are things that they can do. And yes, with a remix, you don't have to get the original person to sing it. But if you're going to use the original person's vocal, the team or whoever is responsible for, for using that should do their due diligence and find out who did it. And I understand that with Garage and like all those kind of tunes from back in the day, it's sometimes a bit difficult to find that, but people know her. And as you said, Auntie AK, I think you said it, Dizzy knows her. <laughs> Dizzy, maybe not personally, but he would know that this is a thing. And his team would know that that's the thing. They're probably cousins, because we're all cousins, we're all related. Me and Nana are related to her, so <laughs> he's, he's gone in too, so it's probably related. I hear what everyone's saying. I'm leaning more towards Nana in the fact that everything we talk about affecting change, there is an element where the artists, especially the big ones, if these artists start saying, well, you know what, this, that and the other, because when it suits the track or the mood or the tone, they do. So then what is it that for the day-to-day it's just, let's go with what's considered the norm. But when you really want to push the boat and find out and maybe do a cultural video or one that's back home, then all of a sudden you've got everybody, you find all the artists that make sense of all the extras. I hate to sound like I'm damning black men in this space, but there are a lot more black men in, in authority in these spaces and they know the coup. When you have someone that comes with the vocals, that comes to even just be a new artist, they're like, yeah, like Nene said, I'm too dark, can't market me. There's another girl on this Mixed Mag article that says, I was a darker end of the mixed race, so they couldn't market me. They Anything to do with darker skin, then it all becomes a problem. And then they don't bother make the effort. So it is those people in power, and they tend to be or can be black men in power. Start the conversations. There's an element of accountability, and it's a bit too easy for them to say, well, you know what I mean? I can't because I'm not on the label, and my, my boss says this, and the a says that. But when they want to, they can make change. I don't want like, anyone to think that I'm disagreeing with that at all i'm just trying to understand the constructs of what they're playing in if sony or columbia or universal or virgin don't have black women working for them that can freely be themselves not oppressed and are in positions of power it's never going to change yes you're right there's a lot of black men in positions of power in music but i just see it as like footballers it's the same sort of thing it's almost like a mirror in terms of the standard of beauty that they reflect or want to put out it's almost exactly the same and that's what the club says that's what the owner says and it trickles down that's what it is so it it needs to start at the top they need to change their boards they need to change their employees because i do think that black women in particular It's a bit of a generalisation, but I feel like we have a little bit more fight in us. And what I see with black men, they tend to go with the status quo and try to make the most out of a bad situation rather than changing the situation. I know that is a general statement, but over the years, shit hasn't really changed. What the hell is going on? So you just see the same thing over and over and over again. And then what they do in their little bubble is they reinforce everyone's fault because they just think, oh yeah, that's what that person's done. That's what they've done. So this is what we're going to do. And that's what sells. Do you know what I mean? And it just goes on and on and on. So you do get like breakthrough people like Nene that come in and make a difference. And that's why it kind of means so much that this is happening because actually she did represent us and she was on a platform and everything. And now she's been ripped off, to be honest, do you know what I mean? So it hurts, 
it hurts, man, that, you know, the one person, did you have to do that to her? Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it's annoying. But I do hope, you know, I hope she gets her coin and I hope the rest of the women get their coin as well. If we weren't in this movement at the moment, I don't think this would even be a conversation. I'm not surprised no one is saying anything or, you know, the black men in the industry are not being more vocal because that's what they're used to. They're not used to speaking out and pushing the needle at all. That They used to continue in the status quo. That's what they're used to doing. So I'm not surprised. For years, everybody's been silent about this. And so everybody's also been complicit. That's the women included. They've kind of like put up with this, like this is what happens to us. But the change is everybody speaking out. And then off of the back of people speaking out. For Dizzy, I don't get how you didn't just sit back and start reading comments and literally seize the moment. Like you could have been the hero. You still can be the hero. It's like the time hasn't gone. You still couldn't change this. But I do think for a male artist now, moving forward and record company execs, like the, the Pandora's box has been open and nobody's going to be silent about these things anymore it's like actually for all of us to keep on pushing as much as i don't i don't feel to be reasonable on these things really because it is livelihood so as much as i can understand that maybe the artists aren't in positions to say things it's like no you are because it's your talent and your female counterpart should be on a platform with you it shouldn't be okay that you have festivals and there's like 10% female artists on there. That's for everybody involved, men included, should be like, where's all the female artists? Like, this isn't okay. Because on when the shoe's on the other foot, especially black women go hell for leather for black men. And it's not okay to leave them to just leave us. It's like, it's not okay anymore. Black men have to ride for black women now. Everybody comments. Nia Odate Evans saying Dizzy is not bright, that's the problem. If he had any sense at all, he would have got ahead of this instead of going in the comments and acting like he has no sense. How can you not know if a vocal is sampled on a track at your big age? Next story. <laughs> With the US election almost a week away, actually it's a week away today, today that we're recording, oh my god, a lot has been happening in the US with this presidential election coming up. We've seen the last debate with Biden and Trump, where Trump mentioned that he was the least racist person in the room, very interesting. We saw him on 60 Minutes, where he walked out of the meeting because he thought the questions were too unfriendly, I think he was saying. We've even had Amy Barrett being signed in as Supreme Court Justice, um, which makes now the Supreme Court, I think a third of them are now owned by Trump in a way. And Republicans have also rushed through an abortion order with other countries as well, including Poland. And also Pierce Morgan, has reported that he had a 25 minute conversation with Trump and Trump thinks that he's going to win. So I guess what I wanna ask you aunties is, who do you think is going to win the election in your opinion? So let's get some predictions. Do you think democracy is real? Can we even call democracy real anymore? And are we seeing the beginnings of the handmaiden's tale? Is it coming to life? Okay, I'm going to jump in because, first of all, please don't reference something that you refuse to watch. <laughs> it's a horror film. It's a Can you bloody watch horror. it? Watch Handmaid's Tale quickly, immediately. <laughs> um, 
democracy, no, we're not in a democracy. It's all false. In the Western world, that's why, I, as I keep saying, don't you dare call any other country, third world, second world, last world, undeveloped, nothing, because the Western world is a problem. And we have this faith sense of democracy. We get a bit more freedom to speak, say what we want. We can cuss a little bit, but when they want to do what they want to do, it's done. And that's it. This pretending to vote, even voting. I understand why some people say they don't vote. You should vote, but I understand why people don't because it's like, they're going to do what they're going to do. I maybe feel hopeful that Biden's going to win because it seems like everyone's backlashing, but then we were lulled into a false sense of security last time and Trump took it. So I just hope that everyone that's saying, oh, it's going to be a landslide win, da, 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 Trump is losing. There's lots of hashtags that Trump is losing. There's lots of negative hashtags about Trump on social media. And I'd say Twitter, because that's where mostly I see all the stuff going down. But again, you can't trust it because these people do it. And then all of a sudden, some state will be like, nope, we're voting Trump and we turned out in the masses. And then are we going to be able to trust because we are in a dictatorship? This Western world's not democracy. Um, the people that count the ballots and all this missing mail and faulty electronics and when polling stations are closed and all this type of stuff. And then they people that don't get their voting cards because, and especially in communities where they know they'll heavily vote Democrat, all that type of stuff. I don't know, but I feel hopeful. I feel like people want change, but I just can't tell. I'm going to say Biden's going to win. Maybe it might not be a landslide, but... I did not believe that I would ever live in a world where President Trump was President Trump. The last election, I was like, there is no way that they're going to vote in a person who has no political experience, who is only known for bad hair, bad tan, bad business, and being someone who says, you're fired. Four years later, here we are. I just can't call it because Biden is so problematic and there are so many people against him and saying, better the devil you know, but I don't necessarily believe that that should be the case. I think that the president of the United States should be held accountable for everything that he does. <laughs> Trump doesn't take responsibility for anything. He said in the last debate that he's the least racist person in the room. He said this to a person of colour. He said that I can't see who's in here because it's too dark to a crowd of people of colour. He said that he's done more than Abraham Lincoln for black people than any other president. You cannot take this person seriously. However, there are so many people in America that still believe in him, that will vote for him blindly because they're not, unfortunately, educated enough to even look into the facts or care because he just represents hate and they're happy to go along with it. So I don't know who's going to win. I'd like to think that Biden wins because we need the change. And I say we because what happens over there does affect us as well. But I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. It just makes me laugh that he's still walking down this road where he's not taking responsibility for anything and, you know, calling himself the saviour of America when he's de delivered Jack. So the debate was kind of interesting to me. I felt like overall Biden won by like a small margin and he only won because Trump seemed to be so fixated on money and to every answer it was like he went back to the economy. So even like humanitarian things is like somehow it, he would equate it back to money, environment, money. I felt like that was too glaringly obvious. But I still think that Biden, in a way, backs him up. Because how can you have somebody who you call racist say, I'm the least racist person in here, and all you do is smirk? 
that should be really offensive to you that this man is saying I'm the least racist person in here unless he knows that I'm a flipping raging racist dude. There's too many things with Biden where I, I feel like he also kind of wants Trump to win because it shouldn't be that hard to beat this man that chat shit, lies, like you could just go through all of his lies. Like how do you let him talk for 10 minutes about your financial affairs and your child? When you have, his whole family is on the payroll. You could have brought in so many things to back, but you didn't, it's kind of like, you was like, no, I haven't taken any money. No, what are you? Yeah, it was frustrating watching, but also kind of comedic because it just felt like you also kind of want Trump to win. And really, even if Trump loses, now that they have the Supreme Court and they're probably still going to have the, the Senate, does it even really matter if the Democrats get in? Like, what are they going to do, really? I'm more on, we're probably going to have this regime for another, at the least, four years. But who knows who may take over from him? This may be how the world goes. The Handmaid's Tale, I actually feel like... Kanye West could be the guy that brings in that scenario. Now, I'll just say that, just listen to Kanye West on a Joe Rogan show and a few things that he says and the way he's so super Christian, I feel like if that does come into being, it's going to be when Kanye West is president in like 2028. Kanye, actually, he just needs to be quiet at the moment. Seriously, he's like such a distraction. It's unbelievable. And I just think what he's spouting is just so dangerous. The Democrats are kind of running on this intellectual, you know, anyone with common sense can see that what Trump is doing is wrong and everything like that. But there's that there is kind of like a smugness to it. And it, just because you're intellectual or liberal doesn't mean you can't bully either. Do you know what I mean? And I think that is why Trump can play the victim and have this campaign of gaslighting. Because it's literally, he's just gaslit his way through four years. And he's just going to continue to do so. Oh, no, no, I didn't say this. Oh, I didn't say that. No, you misheard. I, did, it, I didn't mean that. that. That's literally what he does. I just think like it can kind of leave space to have some very dangerous policies be implemented, like this abortion um, thing. And basically what they want to do is roll back Roe versus Wade. So basically in America, I think by law, abortion is legal and um, there is one abortion clinic in each every state. That's how it is. And they basically want to roll this back. Someone like Kanye, I don't understand why... People need to enforce their views. Just give people the right to choose. Like, you have your view, I can have my view, and we can live together. It's just very separatist, and I just think it's really, really dangerous. Also, as well, I have a friend, an American friend, and she has um, a VPN, so she sees all the ads. We don't really see as much, like, the Biden attacking stuff, how they think that he's going senile and then he's what he's done with the crime bill. I mean, you're able to see this, like, on YouTube. Like, you'll be watching a YouTube video and they're popping up, right? So it's, it's like we're not seeing how much the Republicans are attacking him, right? So I'm really, and I never thought I'd say this, but I'm so on the fence. I really don't know who it's going to be. I want it to be Biden 
but I, I really can't let that cloud my judgment. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I can't lie, I'm really scared if it is going to be Trump because, you know, I think as Auntie Clara said, like, whatever America does, that's going to affect us negatively. I don't even think that the Trump supporters, I think it's like a false positive, like these dumb COVID tests. They're probably not as many as we think they are, but they're just the loudest. And their strategy is like, even if people are talking online, they're there, defend it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have used social media to the absolute fullest. And he said it on, was it 60 Minutes? I think yeah. he said it on one of them. Yeah, like, you know, without social media, he wouldn't be there. And that's damn right. Seriously. As much as I do love social media, like, we're very blessed. And there's a, there's a curse, man. Seriously. And it is, and the curse is Trump, I think. And, like, if he's here for another four years... Honestly, I do think God help us because we will, and also as well, actually, God help us in terms of our day to day. But if he doesn't win, God help us also because there will be a race war, 100%. Do you know what I mean? His people are armed. They're ready to go. You know, they've been kept in their houses for how long? They want to fight. Whichever way, unfortunately, the future is not looking bright. With the social media thing, it's really interesting how it can really warp your perspective. And you're right. Trump is, has utilised it so well. And I really believe, if we're talking about democracy, politicians, if we're going to look at going forward, you shouldn't be able to tweet. I've, I know it's a medium, but it really, come off social media and go back to the old school campaigning. And I wonder what that would do, because there's too much free reign. I think it's really weird that a president can get involved in a Twitter fight. Like, I shouldn't have access. I shouldn't even, really and truly, I shouldn't even be able to act Trump and say, you fucking cunt, or you bastard. or you, I shouldn't be able to tweet the leader of a country or have that level of accessibility because it just undermines everything. And I think likewise, they shouldn't have the power to just react because it's just, and I, I mean, it shows the human side, but then it also is, like you said, the gift and the curse, because it does show your flaws when, because if you are so easy to react and tweet and get caught up in a Twitter storm, that's good for us to see who the character is, but it's also bad because again, you get to galvanize and you get all these supporters in a different way and you can warp the message because on, when I look at social media, when I look at Twitter, it, there's a lot of people that are just cussing Trump. Lot, there are other supporters, there's a lot more cussing. And that's where I could be like, oh my God, everyone's on Biden's side, but the next minute the results say something different. And that's, even if we're gonna be to the extreme, that's mental health issues. You're thinking, you get caught up, you get hopeful, and then you get this massive blow to your chest. And you're like, whoa, and it affects us. We are so affected because social media is like the extension of our arm. Our phones are extension of our arms. Social media is extension, it's our new place of catharsis. It's, it's everything. So. I think that's dangerous. Um, I just wanted to kind of, in this article that I read in Independent, the D Democrats are saying, look, you guys are gonna rush rushing through Amy um, Coney Barrett because they're saying that all the things that are on the chopping block, things like the Affordable Care Act, and next on the chopping block, it's clear, will be a women's right to choose, gun violence prevention measures, and campaign finance reform. So it's all these type of things that are literally on the line. And in regards to the anti-abortion declaration, the US has signed an anti-abortion declaration with a group of about 30 largely illiberal or authoritarian governments to do this thing, which called, it's like, where are we going here? Why is my right to live my life comfortably and make choices for my body? And why is it led by the Trump administration? We're not in a democracy, we're in a weird state of affairs, Handmaid's Tale's around the corner, Kanye, you're shush. I don't know, I could ramble on, but I, I don't, I really am concerned about Kanye being given this much space to do things and he has the right to, and that's another thing, he has the right to do it as well, which is bizarre.
So one of the statements that was made by Trump's supporters and the Republicans, mm -hmm. they said that he is leading the rights for all human beings. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what they basically said. It's funny that they don't support the right for life when it comes to gun violence, and they don't support the right for life when it comes to Black Lives Matter, and they don't support the right for life when it comes to the death penalty and all of these things. But when it comes to controlling what a woman does to her own body, this man who does not have the experience and can never actually understand what it's like for a woman to be pregnant, to try to get pregnant, to be pregnant and not want to be pregnant, is making these decisions. And it's like Egypt and it's Saudi Arabia and it's a bunch of other countries that have also signed it. But it's just, it's a yet another ridiculous thing that Trump's doing. And it is all about power. It is Handmaid's Tale. If Trump doesn't win, I believe <laughs> that the day after they will take to the streets and they will be armed. <laughs> and we will see Gilead. Is that what it's called? Gilead, Gilead, whatever it's called. We'll see that happen. It will start slowly, but we'll see it happen. Banning abortions is the first way to do that. Are they actually banning abortions? Or are so, they lowering the time? They're preventing the um, ability for people to get an abortion by closing some abortion centres. That's what they're doing. I was watching the other day, like there's this whole campaign and what they do is they go around promoting free health and, and advice for people who are in situations where they want an abortion. And they're being told that they can't practice within certain states in America. And they're being told that it's against the law. When in actual fact, it's not against the law for this because it hasn't been, like you say, banned. It's not banned in that sense of a form. They're just stopping places being able to do it. But it's not banned because that's not the law yet. But if you don't have access to it, what are you going to do? And that's the point. It's free access. And unfortunately, just because you stop people having access to a, an abortion in a healthy and safe way, doesn't mean that people are going to stop wanting to have abortions or stop trying or stop having abortions. All that's going to happen is going to take to the black market mm. and you're going to get people doing it as they did before in little alleys and little seedy places that are unsterilized, unhygienic, and you're going to get people dying. I'm somewhere in the center on this because I do think when you go through the figures, I think there's definitely way too many abortions that takes place, especially in black communities. And I think that there definitely needs to be a societal conversation as to how culturally this has become okay and not as like a last resort for something. And really that that's because of social care, because if there actually was like real streams of social care where if you were like, I don't think I could bring this child up, but I'm not scared to actually place my child into adoption because I know that they would still have a good life or into social care where they would be cared for properly. I think there wouldn't be as many abortions as there are. And then you would still have life. I kind of agree with Kanye on some of his proposals in regards to abortion and especially how it's targeted towards the black community. Definitely seeing posters up in New York did startle me because over here it's not sold to us like a business like it is over there like you're not going to see clinic posters up around the place I've never seen that over here but I did see it in New York like it's an option whereas here it's a bit more Just like if you're really considering it, you're going to go to your doctor I feel like there's more hoops to jump over in order to get an abortion so I, I'm more like I can understand why there's this proposal for it to be reined back and to not be as easy I think choice should be there but it shouldn't be a cultural norm 
because that is still there are so many millions of fetuses aborted and I just I can't be like that's okay it doesn't sit well with my spirit the group that I was talking about that's what they do they put these posters up for women in areas I didn't know about New York but they put these posters up for women in areas who don't know how to access it that's what they do so it's it's part of the information that they're sharing you're right I've not seen it here but you've got to think about a woman's mental health as well that plays a massive role when someone's pregnant. So they might not feel like they can mentally cope with going through the pregnancy. And that can have a major adverse effect on them. Going through the pregnancy and then giving their child up can impact someone in ways that we'll never understand because they've got the mental health issues there of, of doing that. Then they've got to live their life knowing that that's what they've done. So I don't know how I feel about it being a community thing where everyone sits down and works out how this is done because it's not for a man to say it's a woman's body if it was anything else we don't tell men about how to do anything with their body not one single thing is there a law about what a man can and can't do with their body so i don't understand how there is a law for where men are making it up for women that's where it's a bit of a gray area for me i'm not entirely sure about that but i understand what you mean i would co-sign that maybe if there was better care that you would get a lot more people being able to go and you know give their children up for adoptions but i do think that there is a, men a major mental health issue that plays part here i agree i don't think it's for the government to tell any woman what to do with their body at all i think that we live in a patriarchal society we're constantly being told it is the norm for the governance of our body to be decided by men. And it, it kind of just needs to stop. And I think like the, the right to choose is one of the most empowering movements that's just ever happened when it comes to women. I get that. And I think that, I think that is Kanye's angle to kind of get people on side. But I would need to look at those numbers in comparison to like the normal abortion rate or, or just the national abortion rate. It's difficult because, you know, obviously I, I come from a very conservative family and a very religious family as well. And they're very anti this whole thing. Like I think Islam is haram. Like you shouldn't do that. It is just a way to control women. I just think they're rolling back power. Women need to work in society, right, kind of thing. They can't do that if they don't have choices. And it's just like another way to kind of take away power, another way to take away status, another way to suppress them really and truly. And I just don't understand why it can't be a choice. People can make informed decisions once they have the information, once they have access. And it shouldn't be the government that tells you what you can and can't do or where you can and can't access things. And we do have things, you know, it's not too far away from us, you know, this issue, because, you know, in Ireland, they have a similar problem. So, you know, a lot of people come to either Northern Ireland or to England or Wales to get away from the stigma that's attached to it. The other thing is, if you want to go down that route, and that's what the majority wants to go with, like, when are men going to start taking full responsibility? When is it going to be a case of, like, if you impregnate this person, do you know what I mean? That you cannot shirk your responsibility. When is the, the stigma going to match, <laughs> to be honest, of that? Like, because the majority of people are struggling to live on a day-to-day -day basis. The majority of people are not in this, like, elitist group that are making this, these decisions that can live comfortably. Like, we don't even have, like, an effective male pill, for fuck's sake. Like, it's just like, come on. 
Like there's all this research in how to restrict women, but none on how to restrict men. And men can go on impregnate women their whole life. There is not, not even a natural clock on that either. So what the hell, like there is no responsibility. There's no, there's no legal response. There's, there's very little legal responsibility or restrictions put in place, but the, also the moral responsibility is not taught properly in schools. It's not taught properly in our culture. Unless it matches, unless it's balanced, I don't think that this should even be an option. You have to give women the choice. My first response to that was about the men's angle and how we are culturally raised. It's everything from rape culture to all the things. We're all ways putting the pressure on the woman. And I definitely understand, because I, I think there was a report, and I, I don't have my facts, where there was targeted abortion posters and campaigns, especially in black communities. I mean, we talk about black genocide all day long. They, we are very fertile. We ain't got problems when it comes to multiplying. They do. So all this type of stuff, we all know it feeds in, but it shouldn't be at the expense of women that the world needs to sort themselves out. Because this is a thing that can mess us up. It messes us up. It doesn't mess up anybody else but the women. If this thing becomes so hard, because it's not just grown women who are reckless, because that's the thing, it's like speaking to women who are being reckless or women who are a bit loose and fast and furious with their with multiple dicks. It's not that, what about the young girl? What about the, you know, the misinformed teenager? What about the broken child that just goes off? You know, there's so many different situations where choice shouldn't be the issue, it's society. And again, it's the same thing. There's so much that's got to change but yet we put the plaster on the wound that needs real deep surgery. And it shouldn't be at the expense of us and our reproductive system on our own. And men are so never held accountable. That, and, and it's interesting, it's all these men, and yes, we have the handmaid women like Amy and stuff like that who co-sign these things, but it is always driven by this, for some reason, this weird bunch of men that are so hell bent on what women are doing. Why are you so focused on what we're doing? Because if, if men took more responsibility, how much would the numbers drop? And then we wouldn't have this issue. One thing I'd like to raise as well is that there have been cases where rape victims have been forced to go full exactly. term because their rapist has gone to court and forced them to do this. So that takes away their element of choice. It a rape victim should never, ever have to be fighting whether or not they go full term to have a baby for a rapist who's then going to want joint custody. It, it just shouldn't be a thing that men have the right to make a decision on. Auntie Nana, I know you wanted to come back. Are there any comments? <laughs> this is a long one because um, I think it's really nuanced and we're talking really general terms. And I actually think how it affects black women is very different to the general petitions that they're putting forward. Our community response to abortion is very different to what governments are placing forward. I think it's a different conversation. Um, but I'll bring it up in a news story and I will bring out the facts because definitely the targeting towards black families and how it's positioned, actually, it's not at young people, it's generally people in their 30s, is very sinister. I guess it's a slightly different conversation to be had about that. Um, so finally, my story, which hopefully will lighten the mood a bit, a little bit or not. The Birkin bag is getting so much free attention, like even me talking about it now. Hermes is getting a lot of attention for this very special bag, which goes for 10K and above, and you waiting lists, and you supposedly you can't get one in if you're not anybody, and you've got to be referred by a friend, and all this type of stuff. But in amongst all of this, you have a lot of now popular, influential black celebrities who are 
promoting their Birkin bags and talking about the fact that they can afford a Birkin bag and it's become a symbol of materialistic status. And recently, Saweetie and her boyfriend Quavo took to a live. Well, Saweetie basically said, women, to give us a little hit to the game, if your man can't buy your Birkin bag, jog him on. Um, and however you want to take that is how she said it. And then Quavo was the background kind of co-signing like, yeah. And then we had people like someone like Cardi B. She sh she's always wearing her Birkin bags. I think even her daughter's got a Birkin bag or two. And she's got a whole library of Birkin bags. Then it just kicked off this debate about, first of all, there's a conversation about black women. The more black women talking about Birkin bags is de depreciating its value. There's the other thing where being materialistic and putting all this interest on a designer bag that's not, you know, what about black designers? We don't do the same thing for black designers. And then there's the other conversation about wasting money on things like the Birkin bag, even though people do say it's an investment and if you, it, it can increase in value and it's like a, you know, like investing a piece of art. So there's all these different conversations. So I wanted to know, aunties, have you heard about it? How do you feel about the Birkin bag? Do you want a Birkin bag? And just generally about how you feel about the conversation, because I think we can go off on so many different tangents. I saw bits of it. I think the bit I saw the most was Cardi's bees explaining what she was talking about, um, which I thought she had valid points. To be honest, Cardi usually does, to be honest. I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm on the fence again, because, okay, right, I have a few bags. I like bags. That's, you know, if you ever want to get me something, get me a nice bag, really. And I think that's, that's probably my vice. Do you know what I mean? So I do like the idea in principle, but I don't think I could, I could justify that because on the other side, of me is like I'm very practical and very like you know do you know what I mean being conscious about where I spend my money and that sort of thing she did make a good point about the devaluing because people are saying oh black people devalue their thing I think they wish that was the case that's not the case that's another false negative it's fake news honey I'm sorry black people get behind something we make things not only do we make it cool the price goes up it really does. And that's why these these designers and, you know, these brands, they want to work with black people. They do. Like, you can't get cool without it coming from the black community. And that is just facts. If it doesn't get a black cosign, it's not going to happen. It might be expensive, but it's never going to be cool. So, yeah, so I get what she's saying and, like, the contributions to hip hop. That's from drinks to fashion to to whatever, like, you know, it could even be household stuff, whatever they want, people are interested in, you know, are, are the black pound or the black dollar is just huge. People need to have some respect on that, to be honest, do you know what I mean? I don't know, I just see the whole thing as like entertainment. The thing is though, the snobby people, I just think it's hilarious because once black people are not on or the celebrities are not on it, yeah, that's, that's over for your brand. So you need to be careful. The numbers don't lie. Controversial or unpopular opinion. I don't actually like these bags. There's so many better bags out there. I don't care what color they come in. I don't care what different types of materials they use or whatever. They look a bit granny baggish. Like, you know, your granny has your sweets in it and, and the, the hard boiled sweets and maybe the smaller ones, you know, like the little tiny, tiny petite ones, they might look a little bit better, but I just don't like these bags. In terms of people buying them and women saying, my man better be able to buy me a Birkin bag or he, push him to the side I think that's kind of just bants I, I really do think that that is just bants because come on now ladies if your man has a nine to five job <laughs> for him to get you a Birkin bag is a little bit much in it <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not too sure about that buy me a nice bag maybe but it doesn't have to be a broken and I think that the people that are saying it are celebrities and it's just for bants in terms of Cardi and her whole um library full of them she bought most of them they she was gifted a load of them and her husband bought her some 
What is wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. If she wants to buy her daughter something, there's nothing wrong with that. Me and my daughter have got matching leather jackets. Who cares? Like sometimes you want to twin with your little person, isn't it? So that's what you do. And I, I don't. I, she's got the money. It's not making her unstable, financially unstable. If she wants to spend it, or her husband wants to spend it, or bloody Kylie wants to send her one for her birthday then so be it. I don't care. I think it's all bands. And there are people out there that need to stop taking it so seriously because that's not your life. It shouldn't be an expectation of you. You shouldn't go out there looking for a man that can buy you something that you can't buy yourself. Firstly, you should be able to buy it yourself. And if he wants to buy it for you, fantastic. But it shouldn't be a thing of, can you buy me a broken? No, I won't date you. Who's got time for that? You're going to be single forever. Watching Cardi, I agreed with everything she was saying. And that was literally haters just hating on her because she does get a lot of hate and jealous people you know like some people because she's quite relatable it's like they see her like she's a peer like what cardi has i can have and it's like you probably have one percent of her and offsets income if you're doing well you can't compare yourself to her or judge her by your standards that you would with your friends like her spending money on bags it's nothing it really is akin to us buying shoes like it's just the that's relative to how much she can earn. But at the same time, watching her, I was like, I would like you to um, to elevate past this stage, Cardi. She's been in this kind of like ghetto, fabulous stage for a, a while now. It's like, I want her to elevate it. And maybe where you're there interviewing presidential candidates, maybe it is about time that you did have a black business page on your site like Beyonce it is high time that maybe you were really telling people to be getting their money up and um invest in properties by the block like I, I want to see her graduate from arguing with girls in her comments because it's like I laugh for a second but then I am like you're a mother now chick like you can't be brawling with these women for too long because you've proved to everybody that you've made something of yourself so you don't need to prove anything else to them i think it's all well and fine and maybe this is the conservative person that i am but it would be like if what if you were giving all this voice and vocal and swag and accolades to a black bag designer or something because i do think we do there's an element of us that gives free marketing to these in organizations that don't give a frick about it. they they give a frick because we make them cool but then they don't do anything else. And this is where we're at now in this kind of Black Lives Matter moment when they're putting up their squares and putting out all their policies and <laughs> to diversity. Um, but then where are they when it's when it really matters? Then we have to challenge them. Um, and then we have to hold them to account. And because they're not held to account, they get away with just doing the meme, the poster, but they're not really doing anything. And then we, we keep making them famous and we keep making them richer and they're not held accountable. And we keep doing it. And that's the part where I'm like, it's all well and good. Everyone has the right to do what they want. If you've got the money, buy what you want, do what you want. But we do have this. There is an element of it trickles down over here because we always following behind Americans. But there is in the culture that I'm a part of. So I'm just going to speak from my perspective. There is a materialistic thing. And there is like if you haven't got this then you're not worthy. So I understand when people feel that Cardi B is relatable and like you feel like she's the girl next door. She's your home girl because she's so relatable. So that does, that is why people feel that they have access to her, and that is why they feel that they can compare. And it makes it you forget that actually she's a millionaire. You for, it's very easy to forget that some of these people out there, you forget they got millions in their banks. And when they're talking about you can get this and you can do that, people do take their word for gospel. And it does. We've always had that thing where you influence by the people that you see in the public eye. So you do think that oh, if they've got it, that's a symbol of wealth. 
and everyone's looking at the simple wealth. You've got people in the industry who are looking to the next person who's got more to elevate their status to be like them. And you've got, you know, it would come to men and cars and men and trainers and all this type of stuff. I personally would rather, instead of talking about Hermes Birkin bag, Pia Moss or whoever other black designers there are out there, talk about their things. Because if we're going to talk about black unity, black uniting, black pound or black dollar, all this type of stuff, the power that we have, why do we do this? And I get it, but I also, because I always thought when I, when I make my million, please, everyone hold me accountable. In my mind, I'm going to be at the Oscars in a black design dress. In my mind, I'm going to be wearing black brand shoes. I'm going to be wearing a black brand handbag. I'm going to be blackety black, all black. And I know it's easy to just go to the designers and the designers send you things, but I'm going to feel like if I'm in that position, I'm going to court black designers. Because that's, we don't affect, we don't change things. Because look, we had stories like, remember back in the day, Jay-Z boycotted Chris out. Timberland, you had the guy from Timberland talking about niggers in Paris and talking when, you know, all this type of stuff. We've had so many incidents of brands that we celebrate and put on a pedestal having these outside stories where they're disrespecting us and they're not valuing the fact that we make it. They know that we make it cool when we've made it cool and they've got to that status and they shut the doors again. And they're like, we were going to remix it. We don't want too many of you lot wearing it. A bit of me is conflicted with what's happening. And I would rather that all this talk about Birkin wasn't about Birkin. It was about Everyday Frodo was I love Yaya. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Of course, I want everyone talking about Everyday Frodo. I don't follow Cardi B enough to know if she doesn't support black designers. I just think that this just happened in the moment, which was started by Sweetie, to be honest. And people called out Cardi because she has blackens. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't even like instigated from her. Um, but I kind of think it's okay as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay to do both. Right. So you can support the black community and you can also buy designers if you want to. Like, and if you can afford to as well. I honestly, sorry, I can't agree with the comment that people forget she's a millionaire. No, she shows it all the time. Uh, maybe. OK. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like you see it in. I mean, she bought five bags at one time. Like we're not on the same level. What I can't really agree with is she can be who she is and have money. Because we're just not a monolith, right? Do you know what I mean? There's different types of black people. There can be people that will identify with her just how she is and think like, okay, she's got wealth. She looks like me. She sounds like me. I'm going to do that too. Or not, because not everybody wants wealth. Do you know what I mean? Some people don't want that materialistic life. I don't even know if it's really a fully materialistic life. That's just one moment of it. Some people go more towards um, spirituality or look for people that are like fully vegan or something. Do you know what I mean? Like people have different influences. They gravitate towards different influencers as well. There's a space for Cardi and there's a space for people like Sweetie. There's Beyonce. She does do the, well, at least she is now anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like really focusing on black. It's not even shade, but it's just facts. It's just facts. She weren't doing this before, even though I love her, but she weren't. But do you know what I mean? She's focusing on black businesses and stuff, and that's commendable, but not everybody should do the same thing. It's not one approach. Like, it needs to be multiple, and different things work for different people. I think it's fine. I so disagree. I was just going to say, Cardi has um, celebrated black designers previously. Like, she's worn dresses from black designers on the red carpet and she's posted it online. I do follow her, so I've, I've, I've kind of seen that kind of stuff. I, I disagree. I feel that every public figure, if you have got there because black people have invested in your fame, it's for you to 
follow through and support black businesses and shout about it in the same way that you will talk about Tim's, Nike, Diamonds, going to flipping Jacob the Jewelers. I think it's actually a duty and we should enforce that. We should hold each person to account because we're not on the same level as everybody else. And the only way that we will is by everybody. When you get there and you're a millionaire, you need to raise everybody up. I hear you, but one size doesn't fit all. Cardi does a really, really good job about talking to like marginalized communities. Like she really does. She's very vocal. There's no issue she won't touch. Beyonce doesn't do that. Every now and again, she might say, okay, guys, vote or whatever. Like, statement. She won't go and talk about <laughs> the issues and how it affects from a really accessible point of view. So her doing that, what's the price of that? Just to counter your point, what's the point then? And I don't want to use Cardi as a main example, because I do think she does well. But then if someone like Cardi is saying all this stuff about empowerment and all that stuff, but then you're bigging up a brand that potentially in the streets, in the hood that you're speaking to empower, they're doing all sorts of negative things that affects the community to ensure they have the material status to get those things. And it's not rather, rather you saying, okay, I'm saying Pia Mosk, that's the designer that I'm aspiring to buy this um, black male mm -hmm. designer. So and rather than you saying, look, and I'm, again, I suppose, then you're going to have them doing the criminal activities to get Pia Mosk. However, why aren't you saying that then? Because you know that the Birkin bag is going to be the one thing that the girls on the street, the guys on the street are going to be like, okay, I've got to aspire and build my money to get that. And then instead of investing in black designers and stuff like that and black communities. No, but as Auntie so just said, like seriously, she does do that. She was brought into this conversation. So what I'm saying is that you can do both. Why should she be held up to a higher standard than anybody else? Not just mm -hmm. I like but that's the thing. But also, like, what about white celebrities as well? Some of them posting their black squares, they support this, they support that, but then still be rocking certain designers. Why aren't they held to the same? Or like fur, do you know what I mean? Some of these celebrities be wearing fur like it's nothing, and then we talking about they're down with the cause. And we'll talk or about vegan. Tracy Ellis Ross wearing Stella McCartney's ethnic clothing, but not supporting your local person. That's There's a problem. She should be held to the same standards as every other celebrity. Yeah. Like, as black celebrities, it's easier to troll, it's easier to analyse their choices or have judgement on their choices. I think it's easier to do that. Do you know what it is? It's like we, we have to pick what we're going to do because we're black, talking about the black community, So because it's our community. And I guess I'm not in the white space to know how white celebrities get trolled by white people. Do you get what I'm saying? So I'm focused on white people, so I will be more critical because that's the world that I'm invested in. Sorry to that year, but even like people like Prince, like people didn't know what he'd done for the community until after he died. Like it's not every single thing that you have to do that has to be like a big show. No. That's what I'm saying. Like some people will set up a website, some people will work behind the scenes, some people will just start a conversation. Everyone's contribution doesn't need to show up exactly the same in order for it to be effective. When you do have leaders or you have people who are kind of like forefront in like a big movement, it's really easy to take them out. It works if it's like a multi-pronged approach. That's what I think. Really. I think the issues are getting conflated, but go on, Antinana. Your last point was exactly what I was pointing to. Where Cardi can come under fire is because whenever she gets a Birkin bag, she does post it. And it's that type of, I'm showing everybody. Each time somebody sends me something, I've showed you my collection. She hasn't done that for any black 
business. And those are the differences. This is a luxury brand. And you've invested that I'm a millionaire now. And this is this is going to be my treat. This is what I'm investing in. And it's that materialist. To me, it's basic. It's base level materialism because nobody needs flipping 30 bags. You don't. But also when you show it repeatedly, I think when you get the trolls, it's to be expected. I would admire her way more. I find her hilarious, but I would admire her way more if she decided that with my millions, I like Birkin, but I'm also going to invest in this designer as well, who is black. Whether she gets attention for it is something different, right? So this moment happened and she was brought into the moment and it became about her when she didn't even start it just because she bought these bags. Now she could be posting black designers, but because there's no moment around it, it's happened, it's gone. It's like if a, a tree makes sound in the wood, if it falls down, you know what I mean, kind of thing. I just think it's unfair and I do think that she does a lot in particular for Latin and black communities. I really do. She lends her voice all the time, despite the trolling that she gets. So I just don't, I know I sound like a diehard Cardi fan. It's not even that, but <laughs> I just think that black celebrities and black female celebrities or who are ever in our space, they just tend to get attacked for displaying their wealth. I think that's true. I also think that what Nana said, I don't follow Carly much. I do like her. But it's that thing of she might tag and say, as Auntie Farah said, she wore, she'll wear a black designer and she'll mention that I wore this black designer and big them up. But there's a sense of, oh, my God, I've got a Birkin. So I want to make it because it's not just Carly that does it. It's a, in our culture in that we post up what we've got, that whether it's black men and their Benzes and their Bentleys and all that type of shit. It's material stuff that's not owned by us that we put up there and it just seems a little bit more exciting when we're talking about that. So you being Cardi, you could create the buzz or Jay-Z or this or that. That's why Jay-Z and the, that's why people go off and make their own brands. Like did he make, all that type of stuff. You go off and make mm -hmm. your own brands and you can hype up something. I don't want it to be about Cardi. It's more about this whole thing about, oh my gosh, I've got a Birkin bag. is a lot more than, oh my gosh, I've got a Pia Moss bag. But is that like, because everyone buys into that that's a luxury brand? Yeah. I, I think, Auntie Sade, you hit the nail on the head a minute ago when you said about the focus. Cardi is very good at posting and sharing when she's wearing black-owned designers. Mm -hmm. For the Super Bowl, she wore a black-owned designer's outfit. The Super Bowl is probably mm -hmm. one of the highest-watched things on American television. No, it's the highest. Sorry, it is the highest-watched thing on American television. She chose to wear a black-owned designer. Yeah. But because the focus isn't as much as it is if she has a Birkin bag, because that's what's deemed, as you just said, as a luxury item, that's not her fault. It's also not the fault of other people who are in her position too. Because if we're removing focus from Cardi and we're saying about these other people that need to do these things, there are a lot of people who are doing these things, but it's not getting the same attention. Look, we're sat here now talking about Birkin bags. Mm. We could be sat here now talking about more Black-owned businesses and we're not. But we do. But we do. And why are we talking about it? Because that has what's been because that has what's been on social media, and that is what the focus is at present. But we're not promoting a Birkin bag. We're talking about the. But just we're talking about it, like the very first thing you said when you started this segment, we're giving it airtime because we mm. are. We're not promoting it, but you don't have to promote it to give it airtime. You can yeah. say, I hate those bags, they're shit. There's no such thing as bad publicity when it comes to that. If you remember back in the nineties when all the all the rappers and and the roadmen started wearing designers. Oh. There was all this massive like um outrage by 
Dolce and Gabbana and Versace and saying I didn't make it for them. They just made it more popular. Do you have the same energy for like someone like Floyd Mayweather who he buys his daughter's Birkins, he buys, you know, like the chains, like he's still on that 90 shit. Shade, yeah. you're right because women and black women get attacked. We've said it from the jump. There is that. But unfortunately, that the story was brought to the forefront because of a black woman, however, or black women. That's why I said there's so many issues within this and it gets conflated. But for me, the bottom line is, what would happen if none of us posted about when we got a designer like a Dior or a Chanel or a Birkin? What would happen? And that's just the question, what would happen? And then instead, we always posted about Everyday Fode, Love Yaya, Paya Moss, only in regards to doing both we want to affect change but then it's like we can't because that's the way society is and that's the push and pull that we always do as all people but we can affect change and we have affect change if you look at dapper dan gucci went to him because they basically stole his idea and put it on a runway and and people were outraged by it and they went and they contacted him and then he did a whole deal with them so that is a black man in that space making moves whether you like his stuff or not, whether you I like what happened, or he's not. a bread man. No, but that's what I'm. That, but I'm just saying, whether you do or not. So the, the, we can affect change, as Auntie Shade said. I think we can do both. I don't think that you should not be able to say, "Look, I've got this great Birkin bag," if that's what you choose, and also be able to say, "Look, I've got this great bag from this black designer." I think you can operate in a space where you promote both. And I think that's how... Ideally, what I would like to do, if we're going to do both, then we only promote the ones that we hold accountable to doing affecting change. We're talking about Black Lives Matter, Black Square, no, all that type of stuff. That's fine. But the other thing you have to look at is the business reasons behind that. Now, all of these celebrities are dressed by these people when it comes to certain awards. And they have deals with these people that we'll never see. So there's also business reasons why they do that that we're not privy to. Can we like, just have a section about designers? It's true. That is making me think. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. So my Black in the Day is about um, when Nelson Mandela was freed on the 11th of February in 1990. There was two things that resonated with me about him. I, I remember very vividly him coming out with Winnie Mandela holding her hand and raising his fist in the air. And I remember very, very vividly watching this footage at the time. And it's just something that's been shown ever since then. You know, the last like 30 years, you always see this. What was also interesting to me is I remember being in primary school, not in 1990. Don't need you to dig me out, Auntie Shade. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I remember when I was in primary school and the pathfinder, the movement was gathering traction and people really trying to get behind him being freed we actually did a play in primary school. it was about um apartheid and i remember that really resonated to me that there were people in different countries who were still being segregated in this way so i just wanted to know if you guys remember that and what were your experiences about it if you remember it at all and you know that's it i don't remember that day specifically i don't know but i was only 10 years old so I do remember him being out, but I don't remember that freedom walk only in footage that I've seen. But leading up to it, I do remember the protest. So my sister's 11 years older than me. And so we wouldn't buy tuna. Like there was no John West in the house. Like literally it was quite yeah. anti-South African products. So I kind of knew that things were happening in South Africa and there was such a thing as apartheid, but I don't remember us ever talking about it in school or it was more a home education that I knew that this was happening to black people, that there was, because it was always like, this was America in the sixties, not even like it was in the UK that there was a, like, you know, a segregation over here, but it was always like, it was an American thing. 
and in South Africa, they still have this type of segregation. I kind of remember Winnie more. I don't know why. She's always been like a hero to me, like just her strength. And um, yeah, Nelson Mandela, it's like such a hard one. It's, I, I feel like I had so much love growing up for him, like really saw him as a hero. And then meeting more black South Africans and learning a bit more about what life was like. His, his, his shine has dimmed somewhat other than that he spent 27 years in prison. It's still like, you know, heart wrenching, but yeah, I don't know. It, I would love to have that kind of burning bright love for him, but it's not really there. Same with you. I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily remember. I remember, um, the boycotts. What's, what was the word? We had a word for it. It wasn't boycott. It was sa uh, sanctions, right? There was something. Is it sanctions? It was sanctions against South Africa. So I remember when things were like, and I remember that, I, I think it was a tuna, like we well, can't buy Prince's tuna because it was a South African brand. I don't even know if that's true. But for some reason, and I think for many years, I just, even after the fact, I wouldn't buy anything that print. Was it John West? Or, I feel like it was Prince's. Is it John West? That I you swear it's John West. Okay. So it's either Twitter. Yeah. One of the two. I was just like, I'm not buying it. both. Yeah, and I, I just remember, like, not, you can't buy that tuna. And I think even just the other day, I had it, it crossed my mind, like, am I allowed to buy this now? I just get the supermarket own brand one. I don't quite remember him, you know, him walking free, because I feel like my memory is distorted by film and footage. So I don't know if that's actually my real memory or just from watching subsequent documentaries. And Winnie, the campaigner, has always been, who's who I can visualise and I can hear and feel like I remember her talking about getting him free and all that type of stuff. The one memory I have of Nelson Mandela was my daughter was, Amma was about two or three. She, must have, she was able to speak, but she was ickle. I remember she was homesick and her auntie called me and said, look, Nelson Mandela's in doing a speech at Trafalgar Square. She said, shall we go down there? So we ran down there and it was so random. Amma had a cold and then this, um, journalist or some press person or someone or maybe one of his hand is like we need a child we need a child give me your child like we want it's just for a photo op or something they took amma all the way up to nelson mandela <laughs> and i had I, I remember i had um, a blue motorola flip phone that was the one i had because i remember taking a crappy little picture and he must have said to her, hey look, well i didn't hear because i wasn't i went i ran emotionally with her and they were like no no all security was like no you can't go so i was like i, I know i was crying i had me and um, her auntie was like in tears like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then um, they took her to him and he must have, hey, he must have, I think he said, hey, little girl, whatever, whatever. Said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a ballerina. And I was like, Emma, why are you not to one time? Like, can you not say lawyer? Like, you're a bloody nurse right now. Like, could you not say something more? Yeah. You know? and, he said, and I think he said to her, you know, I can't wait for the day that I see you on the big stage. And then they br brought her back and me and her auntie were like, oh, my God. And I had the picture, I've obviously lost the picture because of those phone, that damn flip phone. And I think there would have been photographers, I think I've said it before on, on a blog post that there any photographers at that time that could, I know I'm sure it's somewhere in the archive because when he came to London, it might have been one of his last visits, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, that was a big moment. That's my biggest Nelson Mandela memory and of seeing him and then obviously speaking to my child. But other than that, I don't remember when he became free, but I remember all the noise around it and I remember the boycotts and I remember different worlds. They had that episode about sanctions against apartheid and stuff in South Africa and the boycotts and you know educating themselves about that and why that was important so I remember learning about it as well not learning hearing more and seeing how it was reflected on an American black show. So okay so I have very patchy memories like I, I don't remember 
I don't really remember the release. I knew obviously there was something going on with South Africa and that he was imprisoned. Um, but I remember in my head thinking, oh, it's like just based on the British education system, is like the what's happening there is like the Holocaust or some same sort of thing. So it's just like a lot of empathy for him. I do remember I think he met the Spice Girls and he was with Naomi Campbell. Those are the things I do remember Winnie campaigning or something or being I just remember like okay that's that's a strong black woman leader like she was pretty amazing I kind of saw her maybe actually maybe Margaret Thatcher weren't even in power at that point but I just thought oh okay women are leaders do you know what I mean like I, I had that viewpoint in my mind and yeah and then I think the same as Auntie Nanny as I got older and like started learning about what actually happened and how the wealth was distributed and under his name unfortunately and how black South Africans are still suffering to this day it's a kind of a bittersweet kind of thing really and I, I remember I went to there was uh what's the film is it just Mandela is it called Mandela I went to the premiere was it good? Which one? Um, Idris, is Idris yeah. Long Walk to Freedom. Woman. I went to the premiere of that, and that was when Will and Kate came, and we all had to stand up when they came into the um, the space. I remember that. It was hosted by the Mandela Foundation, and um, that was famously, this is so off topic, but famously, that clip of like, I think it's like Harry talking to the head of Disney about. Uh, talk to my wife kind of thing or talk to my talk to my fiance that <laughs> that's where that happened but yeah so that's 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 what my memories are really yeah I think I think throughout the last 30 years we've seen a lot of that footage so you're it, it's no surprise that your memory could be clouded whether or not you watched it when it actually occurred in terms of his legacy and all the things that happened in South Africa certain things have been a bit clouded but I feel like that is something that we said is the same with Obama mm. you know but we're just talking about the actual time and the element of hope that we had or mm -hmm. saw. Listening to your stories, my school was pretty progressive then. We did a whole play about apartheid and how people were treated and all of that stuff. And it was oh, wow. we did campaigns and things like that. So I was pretty clued up with what was happening and why it was wrong. I just remember it being a time where I think maybe that was the first spark of, wow, we really are treated majorly, majorly different and for no other reason than the colour of our skin. So um that was an interesting period and I just wanted to talk about it. Well, that's a good Black History moment because it's definitely important. Yeah. Um, now, without a dilemma, we're moving on to Sad Mad Glad. Hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to your aunties could never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad or glad? I totally, I had, I had a few and then I lost them all. So I'm gonna do this one. Um, so I'm starting with glad because I've recently, no, like it's been certified that Auntie Nana and I are related. So it's like, I'm really glad that our, our, our connection is for real, for real, for real, for real. Um, I can't remember, I, I think Auntie Nana might explain the link, but um, I'm glad. But it also made me a little bit sad and mad because it made me sad because growing up, I would have loved to have Nana in my life because we live, we have got quite similar parallel experiences and it would have been great because I grew up quite alone so I would have been great so I made me a little bit sad thinking about it and I'm mad because sometimes the, the way that society the world and the cultures has had a hand in destroying black communities and black family setups because it definitely has affected my family setup you know having to come from another country to come here the struggles that they my parents faced trying to raise us and then in ultimately they broke up and ultimately contributed to me being alone and all great you know so that's it made me sad mad but ultimately very glad 
that's there's a reason why I like Nana for real, for real. <laughs> so yeah, that's my sad, mad, glad. So my sad is basically the Nigerian government's response to NSARS. It's still too upsetting to talk about, to be honest, probably in full for me. But I'm just, you know, I have the uh, Nigerian people in my heart. I'm just like, you know, stay strong and all that kind of stuff. I am mad at Kanye West because he is a complete distraction. Um, I'm fed up of see seeing people like, you know, Angela Rye having to put in her caption, don't vote for Kanye. He shouldn't even be part of this conversation. Very annoying. It's like a serious issue, mate. So yeah, I'm mad at that. Um, and I'm glad, I've got two things um, that I'm glad about. One, a bit more fun, Clara Ampho on Strictly very happy about that hopefully they treat her well and she does good um but definitely good look for her and then i don't know if you guys have heard of renee batch um she was an american she is american missionary who went to uganda and basically pretended to be well allegedly let me say that very clearly pretended to be a doctor and was um set up a medical center with no training whatsoever and under her watch it appears that she has um been responsible for 104 deaths of Ugandan babies and um, this Instagram channel called or page called No White Saviors has actually done a campaign and they've raised the money to actually start legal proceedings against her. So they're at phase one, but I thought that was just amazing news. You cannot go to other people's countries, pretend to be something that you're not, kill innocent babies and get away with it. No. I mean, I wish that was a news story because goddamn. Serious, yeah. <laughs> no white, so yeah, No White Saviors doing their thing. They've been doing yeah calling people out. Go on, Auntie Farah. That's my sad. Yeah. That people, in, in this day and age, that's colonialism just all over again, isn't it? Yeah. That you feel like you can go to someone else's country and wipe out the next generation it's crazy. to prevent them from progressing as a country. 104 babies. Yeah. She act, that's, that's, boy, I'm going to look into that one because that is just the saddest thing and the maddest thing I've ever heard at the same time. Um, my glad, <laughs> this is a little bit silly, but my glad is that all this news about fake Melena Trump, I don't know if you saw. <laughs> Did you not see? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's footage of Melena Trump and President Trump boarding the plane to one of the campaigns. And then um, they've basically zoomed in on her. She's got massive glasses on and they've zoomed in on her and they've looked at her mouth and they've looked at her teeth and her smile and her nose. And they've said, this is a fake stunt double. And where's Melena? Where is she? Where is she? So that kind of made me a little bit glad. Sad for her, but glad for me because it's very amusing that this is what he's having to do now. Get a body double for his wife. It really looks like, um, it, it, like If you look at it, it's not even like maybe she's had surgery. No, it looks like you got a stunt double to act like your wife. This is your decoy. Yeah. Um, so that, that made me a little bit glad. My mad is, again, quite a silly one. All the stupid um, fake emails I'm getting from people pretending to be television license, PayPal, Apple, <laughs> Netflix. And, they, and it's so lazy how they're doing it as well. It's like, it's, it will have like in the title, Netflix, your, your account has been suspended or please click onto this and all this stuff. And when you look at the email address, it's joeblogs23 uk. Well, it's just the baitest emails ever. And it just gets me mad because for some reason, my email was now being filled with all this crap. I don't know what I've clicked on, but <laughs> sad's going on. All right, I'll start with sad. On Friday, it was my 
second son's seventh birthday and we went to flip out and so there's like four mums all black mums and we're sitting around all chatting and one of the mums I was in hospital with at the same time she had her daughter five days before I had my son well I was in hospital for two weeks because I was a bit sick so we're there and it literally was like a horror movie with all of the stories of our births everybody had a traumatic birth so I'm listening and I am like shit this is so sad like nobody had a oh I went into hospital and just gave birth like it was I almost died the cord was around the baby's neck It, it was just like a series of everybody had a traumatic story so I was like that's really sad then what made me mad was nobody had good care like again everybody had really bad stories of the the midwives that were around them and the care that they were given like me and the other girl because we're in the same hospital and all of the midwives were nigerian um and ghanaian and were just really horrible as two africans in there you felt like they would be like auntie to you but no (laughs) i got shouted at a couple of times and and i had a cesarean she got shouted at like you know you need to leave now you're you're well enough to go it was like it was just maddening that our aunties weren't treating us like their daughters or nieces so that was like overly maddening but we're all thoroughly glad like all of our kids are like the same age and seven years later we have beautiful really intelligent children and you know life is good for us so I give thanks for that. I'm sad that that was your experience, but it happens a lot. Yeah, that is awful. Yeah, it's very, very sad. And I just, sorry, I remembered a mad because I did stretch mine out. Um, I'm mad is about what's going on in Congo. There's a lot of stuff going on in Congo. For real. And um, it made me question, just made me feel really guilty about my mobile phone because of all the, the mining and the, 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 the minerals that they get from specifically the Congo to um, make our mobile phones that we upgrade so without thinking mm-hmm. and I decided to look at ethical phones and I just know that I might not get an ethical phone I'm still going to go for my Samsung upgrade but where's my culpability and it just made me mad that I even have to think like that because in a country that pe- my people or you know adjacent cousins and brothers or what sisters are being treated so bad for minerals and it's their government plus the West that keeps this shit happening so that's also mad. That was Your Auntie's Kid Never, episode 34. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're everywhere that you could be, we could be. Um, please come back next week for more Your Auntie's Could Never. And you know what, guys? You know what you guys need to do? Can you DM us your dilemmas? You can keep your identity secret. If yeah, you don't you have to your name. We'll make up fake names for you. You can, you know, you can be like, so I heard it could all be about you, but you're talking about someone else. Because you know your aunties know best. Exactly. There you go. So, yeah, that's it. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.